Blog Talk Radio. And blessings. And welcome to another installment of the Just for Freedom of Space. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author, Leslie Gitt, and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African-American experience by honoring all the people, past and present, black and white, who, with faith and focus, are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we'd love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347-324-5552. Hello, everyone. This is Leslie Gitt. Um, we are unfortunate to have a, a show about a horrific event that took place Saturday in Buffalo. Um, we have an eyewitness on the line, Mr. Grady Lewis. Um, yes. He's been a part of the horrific incident, not since Saturday, but 24 hours, less than 24 hours prior to the incident, he sat down and spoke to the person who was responsible, allegedly responsible for the mass murder of 10 people in Buffalo. Mm. Um, Grady, can yes. start the interview? But before we let Grady talk, I must explain to you that this is six, literally 6 in the morning when I contacted him. He has not been asleep. He's only had two hours of sleep because he's been interviewing with several national and international outlets. And so he was kind enough to take my call to um, do this interview for us. So, Grady, I'll let you take over. Um, yes. Um, Start up my, name is, my name is Grady Lewis. When you met this, this guy, let us give us the background of where you were and how this came about that you met him, and why you were um, there. <clears throat> well, the first thing, I didn't meet him. Okay. Um, I was at Tops. I go to Tops all the time. It's 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 the only place that has a chair and a uh, place where you can sit down on the streets where we used to have um, seats. They, put, they pulled them seats up in the 90s. Um, to get to it where I said I didn't meet him, I uh, was talking to the security guard there on Friday around 5 o'clock. Well, I was there a little earlier, talking to him for a while. Uh, he was smart. I, I hate to interrupt you, but is this the security guard, the hero that lost his life? No, no. It's, it's, it's witches. It's witches. So, no, this is another guy. He actually um, studied under some grandmaster teachers, so I like talking to him. Now, this is a different guy. Okay. But, um... I was talking to him, and I didn't see him, but I don't know what what really happened. This part is all kind of foggy. Um, he was walking out the exit, leaving tops, and I saw him. And as soon as I saw him, the ancestors, the voice in my head said, he don't belong here. That's why I said I didn't meet him. The, the the voice in my head said, this guy don't belong here. So I went outside, 
said, excuse me. And I said to him, excuse me, where are you from? He said, the city, I can't remember. I said, where that's at? I said, because I never heard of it before. And he said, it's like three, four hours away. I was like, okay, well, where that's at? Well, it's south by Pennsylvania. And I said, okay, well, what are you doing here? And he said um, that he was traveling to see the states and the, and the country um, sites. I'm like, well, how did you, where are you coming from? How are you here? He said he was at McDonald's. I said, what McDonald's? He never answered the questions of what McDonald's. I said, well, how do you get to McDonald's to here? How, why are you here? And he said, um, <laughs> this is crazy. He said, um, um, G- GPS. And I'm like, he don't belong here. In my head, it kept ringing. Um, he don't belong here. So I'm like, okay, I'm not getting them here with this. And so I looked at his shirt, and it said, genius on it. I said, you're a genius? <clears throat> he said, he said uh, I don't know, but I graduated high school at 16. Um, I'm 18. No, 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 no he, he didn't. I asked him, how old are you now? He said, I'm 18. Uh, I said, you go to school? And he said, yeah, SUNY or something like that. I, I can't remember exactly. And I said, well, what grade you? What grade you? He said, he was a sophomore. I said, okay, that's cool. What do you study in? He said, engineering. I said, okay, that's cool. That's cool. I said, um, if you could do anything um, besides engineering, what would you like to do? He said, build a time machine. I said, well, okay. Look, build a what machine? A time machine. A time and machine? I said, huh? What kind of machine? A time machine. Oh, time. M-E, huh? time machine. Time machine, yes. He said he wanted to build a time machine. Oh, he's crazy. And I said, I think they already had that. And I said, well, what, are you going over, what period of time would you go into? He said, go back into, um, I just told you, so you wouldn't tell nobody I built it. I said, you don't, don't got to worry about that. And then um, um, he said he would like to go back and to the point to where he told me that he would want to build a time machine. What did you say, Grady, that that stands out to you today in hindsight? And I know you only had two hours of sleep, but can you give us top three um, comments or remarks he made throughout your hour-and-a-half conversation with him that really stands out? Um, <clears throat> the interview is going to be over with real quick because he didn't give me anything. Um, him squeezing the bottle, the comments you asked for, but him squeezing the bottle, him drinking up the top, um, he twitched every so often. It wasn't a, a natural thing. He he just mm-hmm. did it every so often. He was like, I'm like, but I said to myself, why is this guy twitching? Um, he didn't say anything to her. I'll be like, I was waiting for it. So, but the only thing, well, he said, well, I'm not really, you know, I'm a, much of a talker. I said, well, you've been talking this whole time, so you're doing fine. Now, remind you that uh, or we talk for an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and out of that, the only thing that he said with any bass in his voice, and not bass like he was yelling, or but anything that he said, actually, the really only question he really asked me, that you say stands out, uh, the, the funny part, not funny, 
as he said to me, <clears throat> let me get my throat clear, excuse me. He said, are you going to be here tomorrow? I said, yeah, I'll, I'll be here about 5 o'clock. As he asked me, and, and at that point, I was thinking, okay, this kid's from a small white town probably. Probably never met any black people because I had that experience before. And he probably liked, liked me a little bit. And um, he probably wanted to come back and chit-chat with me on his way back from where we came from. This is what I'm thinking at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, he, And then he went back in the store, got him a big jug of water, and he got two big Kit Kats. And Chuck said, um, the other guy, he said, the other security guy, he said, um, what are you going to eat? And I said, probably whatever he finds. And then he said, yeah, if I find, uh, yeah, if I find roadkill, I'll probably eat it. Uh, okay, so I guess, that's, I guess that's two things he said that stood out a little bit. Wait a minute. He said he would eat roadkill? Yes. Yes, he said he would eat roadkill. And um, at this point, or I don't know, really, it was, it was pretty much over, pretty much at this point, because like I said, it was an hour and uh, 40 minutes, mm-hmm. hour and a half. Um, did you see the he, car he was driving? That's what he did. He, he walked off. Uh-huh. Yes, sorry. Um, he walked to his car, which is at the end where we were at. And it was facing, he backed into that spot. And he went to his car, and he sat in the car for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Now, fast um, forward, after he talked to me, he said he'd go camping, he went across the street and was sitting there using his, on his phone. I think he said, yeah. I think he said he was using, yeah, obviously. He was using his phone on a Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Um, now, one um, question. Did you guys talk about religion? Yes. I, um, they were there at that point when I asked them. I said, um, do you believe in God? He said he's, um, he questions it. I said he don't believe in God. Okay. Okay. He doesn't believe in God. So that, questioned it. He said he questions um, God. Now, I understood what he meant. You know, once you look into the, he he, I, I took it as he he needed solid proof to believe in God. After talking to him and knowing what you know, he did. Um, do you think because he pled not guilty, he was arraigned, right? Do you I think guess. to uh, plead that he's insane? No way. No way is that kid insane. Uh-huh. He's not insane. I talked to him for an hour, hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes. He's not insane at all. There's no question in my mind that he's insane. Now. Did he have any uh, tattoos? Did he have any? No tattoos. He, he just, looked like. Uh-huh. And when people ask me, well, why did you stop him? Why did you stop him? Because he was white. No, he was an average looking white kid with bad hair. He didn't have no tattoos. He looked like he was from a small town. It wasn't because he was white or he didn't have any tattoos. He just didn't belong there. But as one more or two more thing, one more thing I, I got to get out there. 
on Sunday, Monday, whatever day it was, um, the people saw me, and they think a lot of people saw me. And one woman came up to me and was like, oh, I love the job you've done. And she said, I saw him there at 1 o'clock. I said, 1 o'clock when? Okay, this is Sunday. She said, I saw him at 1 o'clock on Saturday. And I said, what? I said, you sure? She's like, oh, I seen him. I almost hit him with his car. She said, I almost hit him with my car. And he looked, and he was looking at me, and I thought he wanted some money. Uh, so I was about to give him some money. And then he said, she, he said, she said his eyes were evil. He didn't give me that. He didn't give me the evil eye. But she said his, eye was, his eyes were evil, and and she would never forget his eyes. And I was, wow. And she was real demonstrous about uh, um, what she was saying. I was like, okay, that must have been the same thing I was thinking in my head, that he didn't belong there. I didn't see the eyes like that because he just had a – he had a – a blank face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody said, um, another person said they seen him at 10 to 12 o'clock, and he was asking people for money. There's no one, I don't think there's anyone in, in modern-day history who sat down with a mass murderer for an hour and a half prior to them committing an act. Oh, okay. Wow. Well, no, I, a victim. You were a potential victim. There's no doubt. Uh-huh. And because you survived, um, you can tell this um, remarkable story about the insight of this um, this um, demon's mind and how he um, tried to portray himself as a normal person, as a human being, which he was really only a shell of a human being. He's not human at all. Uh, you know, so for him to be able to sit there with you the whole time chasing the joint out, knowing that he was going to murder people because they looked like you and yes. for no reason. Yes. And, um, you know, he just went forward with his plan. So. Yes. Uh, before we get into the actual crime that he committed, let's talk about the victims. Did yes. you know there were 10 people that he um, murdered and he injured three more, I think, right? It's 30 total. I mean, 13 yes. total. Yes. And um, out of the 13, two people were white, which he made a mistake. He didn't intend on killing or harming any white people. And I heard yes. the reports that one of the white people said that um, he he discovered that he was white and he moved on. Yes. So do you know any of the victims? Yes. Um, <clears throat> the the white guy, because actually somebody showed me that video because mm-hmm. he had a camera on, I guess, on his chest or whatever. He live streamed it, I guess. I don't know because I was on the streets at this point in time. Um, but I saw the video. We in the, the one of the white guys was was Chris. He's a new assistant manager there. Uh, he, he seemed to be pretty cool. He's been all right. He comes and he talks to me now. He's been there for a week or two weeks. He's been there for a short period of time. And Chris was 
laying on the ground, and he comes with his gun, points it down at him, and Chris said, oh, my God, on the video. And he said, sorry, and then moved on and shot somebody else in the head. I don't be too graphic. It moved. And I was like, oh. The, the first victim that I saw that came across my timeline was Miss Pearly Young. Do you know Miss Pearly Young? No. And I really should actually tell you from the st- from right here, uh, but you can keep doing uh-huh. I'm really only dealing with the fact that I was talking to him. Uh-huh. I talked to him. Like you said, I, I talked to a guy that came and killed people who looked like me. Right. And, I, and I'm still dealing with that. And I don't know if I'm jumping the gun too much. Tell me. And I'm dealing with the fact on Saturday, I'm dealing with the fact that I saw him, not knowing it was him at the point in time, I saw him shoot the people. So the people the people that um, passed away by this terrorist that was that was knowing what he was doing, the whole time he knew what he was doing. And back to what you said, actually, I, I think that he has he either had two personalities, which I don't think he uh, he didn't show it at any time, or he. I, I, but I really think that he was dedicated to what he was doing, and he had to play the role. Cold Springs uh, uh, is basically the heart, or actually, Cold Springs is, is like the Harlem of Buffalo. Like we have an Apollo that you, back in the days, that you would go and give a nickel or a quarter, I can't remember, because that was before me, actually, and you watch a movie. Um, and, and it's still here. They, they teach you how to uh, do, um, oh, my goodness, how they work cameras. I can't even think right now. So I'm just going to roll. But, yeah, yeah, yeah so, so, yes, our people, our people actually hopefully continue, and I think Cold Springs is going to make Black America, and America, actually, I think, proud. You said you witnessed uh, him committing this act. Yes. Do you feel like um, talking about it, you know, this is the time. If not, we can move on with however you want to handle it. He came here at 2 o'clock. To what were you two, doing here at 2 o'clock when it happened? What were you doing? Now, um, I don't avow, I'm not uh, in any church, but um, here at State Tabernacle, uh, actually one of the other people, I didn't mention this, he was out, actually outside. Um, um, Deacon Patterson that was killed, um, he's a jitney driver where he takes people um, home from after getting their um, groceries. Usually, well, usually, he takes old people home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he doesn't ask them for a fee. He says, whatever your heart desire. Um, he's been in this community for a long time. He don't curse. He don't swear. He don't talk to people behind their back. He don't talk about people but, uh, in front of him. He, you get involved in the uh, craziness, he just he moves away from that. Um, everybody says, oh, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. And that's one of the victims I saw. But now I'm kind of jumping ahead. So, but, uh, but anyway, I was at Steve Tabernacle because they, they gave out um, food, beer, um, breakfast on Saturday. And I take out the um, garbage for her because she serves us 
at State Tabernacle at, uh, let me say it correctly, um, the Plate of Love Ministry. I have to put this out there. The Plate of Love Ministry from Mrs. Penny, above from New York. She gives breakfast of scrambled eggs, bacon, sausages, grits, oatmeal, tater tots, and this is what she gives the community. On Wednesday, she does she does a dinner or lunch, and we had ribs, deer, chicken. Um, it ain't no, it's technically a soup kitchen, but we don't call it a soup kitchen because of the plate of love because we never had soup there. She gives meals. And if we have... Because, we have because this is an awesome story, I want to make sure we got this clear. This is Miss Penny you're talking about, right? Yes, Mrs. Penny runs the Plate of Love Ministry plate at State of Alcohol. Excuse me, go ahead. I'm writing it down. Plate of Love Ministry, where at? At um, State Capitol. State Tabernacle Church in Buffalo, Glenwood. I don't know the address, so I apologize. Okay. All right. And she 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 prepares a full-course meal every Wednesday and Saturday? Yes. Wednesdays and Saturdays, yes. I mean, everyone says she does too much. I help her because she does too much. But she said she don't give nothing to nobody that she that she wouldn't give to her family. And she don't do too much. She does what a person's supposed to do. So I woke up late because uh, breakfast is 9.30 to 11.30. But like I said, I take up the garbage. So I got there, I don't know, about 12 because it still takes them an hour, two hours to um, clean up. But I'm going to take out the garbage for her. Um, so I went and took out the garbage for her. And she said she had um, two plates left over. She's like, oh, you know somebody you can give it to? I said, yeah. So I had her drop me off at the corner store, um, actually across the street, down the street, one block from Tops. There was nobody there at the corner store. Usually people were hanging out around there, but there was nobody there. So about, like I said, he, I guess he was there at 2.30. I went, walked across the street. And at 2.20, I went in there, bought me something to drink. And um, I seen the old guy sitting out there. Actually, there was a lot of people sitting out there. I seen the old, old guy sitting out there. I don't know his name. I said, he went to a breakfast? He said, yeah, gave him a breakfast. Then there was another guy in the abandoned house across the street. And I gave him another breakfast. Then I walked back and I talked to the old guy for a second. And then I walked across the street, and there's a little flower bin, but it's big that they just put over and in the community where I and I sat there for a second because it was a beautiful day, and people started coming out, and um, I cracked open uh, my juice, I took a sip, and I heard boom, and then within that second, and actually. Um, uh, another person showed me a video later on of him driving up, and he had the gun in his car, and he opened up the door, and he came out, and another lady, I don't know her name, she's a Puerto Rican woman in the neighborhood, um, she asked me for cigarettes, and then one time I didn't have no cigarettes, she um, gave me um, some cigarettes, and, and like we, I, I chit-chat with her, and he, and that's the first woman that he shot. And he came on the video I saw, 
he shot her straight in the head. And now, live time, me across the street, I heard that. I knew it wasn't, I don't know nothing about no guns. But when I heard that, I knew that wasn't no firecracker. I looked up in that second, and then all I see is white smoke. And I'm seeing this guy in army fatigues in the middle of the city going left to right, just shooting people. Shooting people. Um, second, that's when um, Deacon was killed. Another lady, I don't know who it was. She was back behind the um, gate. She was um, she was down on the ground. I seen three people down on the ground. Um, two of them I knew. Another guy, big guy, young kid, um, Zaire. I just found out his name actually. Um, he works there. He just works. He's a good worker. Uh, he's a big kid. Uh, he got shot. I guess it went um, grazed his neck. I see this big kid running. I'm seeing everybody running. I'm yelling. No. I apologize. I see I see everybody running. But at this point, I'm not yelling. I apologize. I'm looking, and within a second, I had two different thoughts in one, in one second or two seconds. At first, I'm thinking, did Russia attack us? And I didn't hear about it. And then I was like, well, they shoot movies here in Buffalo, and maybe they're shooting a movie, and um, they didn't, nobody told me. But when I seen the security guard run in the store, and that security guard, the hero, they shot him. Mm-hmm. And I guess he went in the store and he turned around and tried to shoot him. I seen the kid go army style in the store after him and started shooting. That's when I knew it was real. Because Aaron Saunters that was killed, the hero, he's not the runner type of guy. He's not He's not no runner. So when I saw him run, I was like, wow, this is real. But when he went in, I'm like, oh, if he shoots him, and I just left out of there, it was a lot of people, like, it's a small tops. Uh, this is a small tops. I can't I'll get into the story. They've been building the tops when I was a kid. Uh, we've been they're, they're going to put a supermarket in our community for, like, 20 years, and they gave us the small little top, tops without a uh, – without even a cafe like everybody else got. Any other tops around here in this neighborhood, I don't know if y'all got a tops, but it's a small store. So I'm thinking, if he shoot him, he's going to kill everybody in there. And I'm hearing the echoes from across the street. But actually, once he went in, I crossed to the other side or on the side of tops. And I'm thinking, he's going to kill everybody in there. And and, and it was um, my uncle's um, girlfriend. It was my favorite local singer, uh, Fragrance, and her daughter, uh, 20 years old. Um, She just had a baby. I'm like, they're right there in the front. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going crazy at this point. My friend told me I was frantic. I'm like, call the police, call the police. I call the um, the F word police. I, I, I'm just like, what is going? I'm like, call the no. I said, call the police, please, somebody, because I, I I don't have a cell phone. So I'm like, please, somebody, call the police. And within amazingly, within about a minute and twenty, a minute twenty, minute and forty seconds, I see police coming down the street. They come in, There's about three or four police cars, and then in about um, a minute. In 55 seconds, he come out. 
Now, I'm in the parking lot now. I went from the sidewalk on the side of the top because he was inside. And I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I said this part. I heard 30 to 40 rounds, and I'm hearing the echo. And one of the guys, I said, hey, call him, call him, call him, call the police. He's, and he came, uh, the guy came out. A guy came out. He had brown camouflage on, the helmet, glasses, boots. He was, let me say, suited and booted. Mm-hmm. He said, "Was that is that him? I said, I don't know. I don't know if that's him. And then when he took the gun and he put it to his chin, I was like, oh, yeah, that's him. He put it to his chin very slowly. Still did for a couple of seconds. He put the gun. He put it down, but it was on a strap. Then he took one glove off, threw it to the ground. Then he took another glove off, threw it to the ground. He did something with his boot. I don't know what he did. Um, then he took the gun, took it off his shoulders, and put it down. And then he took the vest off and, and put it down. Then he got on his knees. And then he laid on his stomach, and he put his hands behind his back showing me that he was sane. And then the police at that point came and arrested him. Handcuffed him. They handcuffed him. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to go backwards. Let me go backwards. I must tell this part. When he had the gun in his head to his chest, I said, I'm about to see somebody just drop right now. Mm -hmm. And I hope he, I, I, I didn't want to see it, but I wanted to see it. So when he put the gun down, I was a little sad. And then when he put the gun down on the ground, I said, the police are about to shoot him. And man, my head, like, Grady, you know the police are about to shoot him. So this is just two quick thoughts that went to my head. It's like, yeah, they're about to kill him. He's about to kill his stuff. Neither happened. But yeah, they arrested him. Okay. Well, Buffalo doesn't have a history of police um, brutality, right? So... You're not surprised that they didn't, you know, shoot him? No, I'm not surprised. It was it was just a wishful thought. Un, be, only because I'm not for violence. I'm, I'm a peace guy. I'm for peace. Grady Lewis is for peace. But okay. seeing this man, seeing this boy, this man, Shooting at people that they didn't have an opportunity to shoot back at them, I thought that was fair. Because to myself, I got thought about it later. It's like putting on metal boots and kicking the baby down the stairs. That's unfair. And then you talking like you tough. Like you just kicked the baby, bruh, with, with your iron boots. You deserve whatever you get after that. So, yeah, no, 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 no. We had the 22 caliber killer in the 80s where the white man was driving around shooting black people. But, um, yeah, no, yeah. I, didn't, okay. I, I knew they was going to shoot him. Right. Well, you gave us a, a, a serious insight of what happened that day, um, who this um, mass murderer is. And, again, I hope that you get help, that you get the healing that um, our people in general as African-Americans, that we, too, get the help and healing that we need um, yes. from exploring all of this um, madness. Yes. Um, and that, you know, that we heal as a nation. So I'm hoping 
and praying that um, this is the beginning of the end of these senseless murders, not just here um, in this country, but mainly in this country um, with mass murderers, with gun violence in the cities, with, um, you know, police brutality is coming a lot. And uh, before I go, um, this murderer, he had on his gun the N-word, and he said he also had on his gun, this is your reparation. Ooh, I didn't see that part. Yeah, look it up. Wow. When I did, I did see the N word on his phone. I mean, yeah. on his phone on his gun. I did see that, but I didn't see the other part. Wow, that's that's deep right there. Exactly. So this is your reparation. <laughs> wow. That's the. Wow. You know, when I just ran off a list of all the things that we are currently being afflicted with. Yes. Gun violence in the city. Yes. Mass murderers, as you just said, redlining, gentrification. And on his gun, he has the nerve to write, this is your reparation. Don't get me started. All right. So his motivation was much more deeper than just race relations as of today. But yes. it comes from a historical perspective of race relations, knowing that we have been enduring um, these sorts of afflictions from the beginning of their um, arrival to North America. Yes. So the problem is much bigger than us. Much bigger. Much bigger than us. And and I know that we've had um, an atonement, a march um, with the leadership of Farrakhan, and it's not a weak person who asks for help from God publicly. It's the strongest people who can say publicly that this is way too much for us to endure. Yes. But also know that we have endured much worse and that God has brought us through. And that's not to say that he's going to love our enemies and that the people that are afflicting this against our people are going to go unpunished by God's wrath. So, so when I study history and I share history, it's an inspirational history based on our protection from God against our, our enemy. But at the same time, we first have to acknowledge him and ask for help. And that's how I'm going to end this show. That okay. the people who have been able to fight these battles. And that Ida B. Wells. She fought lynching, born into slavery. Many of our black abolitionists that that um, helped abolish slavery in the South 
and those in yes. the 1700s who helped abolish slavery in the North, they were empowered by God. They leaned on him publicly. They let the world know that it was only by their grace, by God's grace and by the strength that comes from Christ, that they were able to fight as a minority in this country, Goliath, and win these spiritual wars. And black people are going to have to leave this country out of this mess. And the only way they're going to do it is how they've done it in the past, by putting on their full armor, acknowledging that it was God who brought them through, and they're going to continue. We are going to continue to have to lean on God publicly to win this battle. And until we, as a people, acknowledge that we need God's help, and move forward with him, um, we're going to be in, in, a, in a bad situation. So when you spoke about Penny, I'm looking at my notes, and you mentioned a deacon, and then there's Pearly, Miss Pearly Young. These are all the people that I know of, and I only did a little bit of research, that... Um, show what needs to be done. They are their brother's keepers. They're going about their daily business, helping people, looking out for each other. And if this mass shooting doesn't do anything else, like you said, Buffalo was chosen because of the community being predominantly black. But what you don't know, what you just taught us, is that Buffalo is a very, very special place because of all of the kind acts, the great deeds that happen on a regular basis, not as a reactionary um, path, but because that's who you are. The city of good neighbors. Exactly. So I hope we are inspired to be more like Buffalo. So, as a people. What we call God here in America. And you heard his voice telling you that this man did not belong here. He didn't belong there? And this is, oh, God, this, no. Yes, he didn't belong there. Okay. Yes. I, I yes. think we can we can end it on that note, and um, if we want to pick up on another day when things calm down and we can um, interview you again more broadly about um, the other areas that you're interested in. But, again, um, I want you to definitely um, get, get help as far as um, what you witnessed, all that you've um, endured, um, sitting next to someone as evil as he was, you definitely need some cleansing and, you know, some protection, you know, because that has to weigh on you in more ways than one. Yes, so, yes, I understand. Thank you. And so when this all settles down, get that note. Do not be, 
you know, don't have any hesitation. Do it. And um, know that we support you. We support uh-huh. you. May I add one more thing? Mm-hmm. Because as you're telling me this, and and I'm going to take your advice, mm-hmm. I want all the so-called African-Americans, blacks in America to get some help for us to, to get some healing and for us to rise up, stand up, learn our history, and, 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 and not worry about what they do, but do what we're supposed to do. Okay. So I definitely agree with you. Every, I think all of us, all of us, obviously, we, we're black in America. We're third-class citizens in our own land. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to let you finish. I, I, I don't want to take over your show at all. No, that's okay. Well, again, thank you so much, Grady Lewis. Um, you know, I, I'll be watching the news looking for you and yes. continue to articulate what you experienced and witnessed, and you go forward, and you have my phone numbers, all of them. I doubt you from all of them. And let's say, yes. okay? Yes, yes. Thank right. you very much for reaching out. And doing what you're doing with your research. I learned some things from you today, um, and, and, I, and I appreciate that. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll probably meet up. So you okay. have a great one. Okay. Bye-bye. Yes. Yes.